Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, June the 29th, 2022. It is currently 5.15 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, or as I sometimes say, I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. I'm broadcasting live from my second story bedroom. It's not even a bedroom. A second story room here in my home. It was actually the homeschool room. So we're using the homeschooling room, not for homeschooling right now. We're using it for a different kind of schooling. Hopefully a schooling that will provide great spiritual benefit, right? A schooling that you will grow spiritually. And I want to begin by asking you a question. How are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing spiritually? Now, what would you say? If I was to walk up to you, you're a a professing believer, I'm a professing believer, and I was to walk up to you and I I asked you, how are you doing spiritually? And and you told me, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing really good. I'm like, okay, well, I, I wanted us to talk today because I've got two things I have to warn you about. Two things that could be absolutely detrimental to your spiritual life. Two things that could put you in great danger spiritually. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to consider these two things that I think you need to be on the lookout for? These two things that could destroy you. What would come to your mind as soon as I started saying, I've got two things. What, what things you would maybe go, I wonder what he's going to talk about. Could it be talk? Could it be sexual sin? Could it be pornography? Could it be, uh, what, what could it be? What, could it be pride? What, what, could, what, what is he going to warn me about? What if I was to tell you that the two things that could destroy you spiritually, the two things that could literally absolutely upend any spiritual growth, literally cause you to regress spiritually, knock you back, make you backslide. What if I was to tell you the two things you need to be the most on the lookout for is number one, practical holiness in your life. And number two, biblical and theological knowledge. What if I was to tell you the greatest danger to your spiritual life right now is practical holiness, practical holiness, where you're living a, a practically a, 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 a practical way. I'm not talking about an imputed righteousness. I'm not talking about an imputed holiness, but a practical holiness. There's godliness in your life. You're living godly. You're avoiding sin. You're doing the right thing spiritually. What if I was to tell you that is a great danger? That is a grave danger to your spiritual life. What if I was to tell you that biblical knowledge and theological knowledge is a grave danger to your spiritual life? Would you look at me like you've lost your mind? Would you look at me and go, you are wrong? Absolutely not. You are wrong. Or would you go, wait, you know, I I think maybe you're right. I think I've seen the negative influences of both of these things upon my spiritual life. I think 99.9% of people will say, this is, they're already, they're already turning off this podcast. They're like, what is this? This is the most ridiculous thing. Stay with me, please, 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 right? Look, if every podcast you turn on, 
you, you or every sermon you listen to is what you already agree with and what you already know. You don't have a chance to grow. I'm presenting an idea here that probably goes against what you've heard and what you think you know. And maybe just maybe there's something to what I'm saying. So I'm going to put I'm going to put forth the idea again. Hey, how are you doing spiritually? Oh, oh, you're doing really good. Okay, great. That's great. Everything's going well. All right, growing spiritually. Everything's just well. Praise God. That's really good. I need to warn you about something, though. There's two things that I think is going to possibly absolutely destroy your spiritual growth, and that is practical holiness and biblical and theological knowledge. And I, I again, I know I, I'm feeling the pushback. I'm feeling the rejection. But let me tell you, there is a fine line between practical holiness and that practical holiness becoming a source and becoming a cause and becoming the very thing that leads to spiritual pride. And there's a fine line between biblical knowledge and theological knowledge. Oh, man, you've got the notebooks. You've got the systematic theologies. You've got the interlinear. You've got the Bible dictionary. You've got the concordance. You're going to town. You're working. I mean, you're doing Bible study, Bible study. You're learning. You're learning. You're learning. And sooner or later, that, that very learning, that knowledge that you gain become the very, the very thing, the very cause, the very source of spiritual pride. Practical holiness. And biblical knowledge and theology can literally become the very thing that brings about spiritual pride. And once spiritual pride arrives in your life, boom, it's detrimental to your spiritual life. It is a disease. It will destroy you. It will trip you up. It will pull you down. Spiritual spiritual pride, while it's supposedly exalting you, in the name of God, because you'll actually think that you're exalting God when all you're really doing is exalting self. In reality, you're being pulled right down into the pit. You're being pulled downward so that you will begin to develop a mindset and an attitude of hell, not of heaven. Practical holiness and biblical knowledge can be the very thing that produces the greatest levels of spiritual pride. In one sense, in this kind of mini-series, we've already discussed, we've already talked about the danger of holiness, the danger of practical holiness. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I apologize if you hear things moving around. I'm trying to move everything out of my way. I've got too many Bibles around, and I'm trying to get to one particular Bible. There's one particular Bible I want here in my hands, and this is the one I was looking for, but it was buried under uh, all kinds of books. Luke chapter 18. That's what happens when, well, if if you saw the desk, you would be like, what in the world is that? Well, it's the... <laughs> it's the desk of the Theology Central podcast, all right? Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Oh, you know this story. Right, here we go. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Practical holiness can become a situation where you take pride in that holiness, in that righteousness, and it literally leads to you despising other people, looking down upon other people, judging other people, condemning other people, because ultimately your spiritual righteousness, your your practical righteousness, your practical holiness 
becomes the very thing that begins to exalt yourself while you despise other people. You know the story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I want you to hear this. This Pharisee was not an extortioner. This Pharisee was not unjust. This Pharisee was not an adulterer. See, that's practical holiness. That's practical godliness. You would say, look, it's great that someone doesn't extort people. It's great that someone is not unjust to people. It's great that someone is not an adulterer. That is godly. That is great. But sometimes the fact that you're not an adulterer, the fact that you're not an extortioner, the fact that you're not unjust can be the very thing that leads you to exalt yourself while you despise other people. Therefore, that becomes spiritual pride and God resisteth the proud. You become actually, it becomes detrimental and damaging to your spiritual life. Now, I'm not saying, well, then I should run out and become an extortioner. I should run out and become unjust, and I should run out and become an adulterer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you cannot allow that practical godliness in your life, those things that you're not doing, that godliness, to become the very thing that makes you spiritually pride, prideful, because then all of that supposed things you're not doing and doing that's right becomes meaningless. It becomes actually detrimental to one's spiritual life. That would be bad. I fast twice in a week and I give tithes to all that I possess. You attend church. You don't miss. You're at every service. You read your Bible. You pray. You tithe. That can literally become the very source of spiritual pride. Practical holiness can become a grave spiritual danger. But the publican, standing afar off, would not even so much as lift his eyes into heaven and smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He doesn't, he doesn't say, I haven't done this or I don't. He just says, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I want you to see that's very important. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the more godly, I don't know who you are. You may be the godly person. You may be the person who you, you can look around and say, well, I know that person and they've done this and they've done this and they've done that and they've done this. Maybe you've avoided all, maybe you've avoided all the sins that I've committed. Maybe you're far more godly than I am. Maybe you're far more righteous than I am in a practical way, because obviously in our position before God, I'm just as righteous as you because I'm covered. I, I have the imputed righteousness of Christ given to my account. You, you understand that. I'm talking in a practical way. You may be more godly to me. You may be more righteous than me. And great. It's wonderful that you've avoided my sins. It's great that you haven't done what I've done. It's great that you haven't fell the way that I fell. I truly mean that. That is wonderful and that is great. But if you're not careful, that will simply become, I'm sorry, your spiritual downfall. And for some weird reason, we don't tend to see spiritual pride in the same way we may see extortion, being unjust, or an adulterer. 
Someone can be spiritually full of themselves, spiritually arrogant and spiritually prideful, but we will view those people still as being godly and righteous because, well, guess what? They're not an extortioner. They're not unjust. They're not an adulterer. They're not ungodly. We will view them as being the godly one, even though in reality, they're filled with so much spiritual pride that they've literally been pulled down to the pit of hell, but we're still exalting them. We're still praising them. We still think they're wonderful and great because, well, they haven't done those things, but spirit, but they can still be so spiritually prideful that all of those things are just now the very thing causing the spiritual pride. We so, we so judge people's spirituality based off what they do and don't do versus the true nature or content or the character inside. It's great that you've got all of the righteous actions, but what does it, what's of value is it if it's created a spiritual prideful monster? In what ways has your spiritual actions, and what ways has your godliness, and what ways in your practical godliness, practical holiness, and what ways has that become very detrimental to your spiritual life because it become a source of spiritual pride? That's danger number one. Danger number two. Spiritual knowledge, biblical knowledge, theological knowledge. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man thinketh that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Just as your spirit is your righteousness and your practical righteousness, your practical holiness can become a source of spiritual pride, so can your knowledge. Your knowledge can just puff you up. It can just exalt you. You ultimately becomes a source of the very thing that exalts you. You know, I know more than them. I'm smarter than them. I can interpret better than them. I can outline better than them. Therefore, you feel yourself being more spiritual than them. We, 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 we mock, we criticize, we make fun of people who don't interpret the scriptures right. We say they're dumb, they're foolish. And look, there's times there, there is an appropriate way to criticize the mishandling of scripture. It does have to be criticized. It does have to be addressed. It does have to be exposed. So there's nothing wrong with offering a biblical critique of the mishandling of scripture but it can become a source of spiritual pride. Well, you take great joy in demonstrating other people's foolishness and other people's stupidity and other people's lack of ability to handle the scriptures correctly. So you've become puffed up and you've become arrogant and you see yourself as superior. You see yourself as better. Oh, you know, you know, when push comes to shove, you're like, no, 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 no. I don't think that I know everything. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think I'm better. You know what not to say, but it's there. It's inside of you. Your practical righteousness and your spiritual biblical knowledge can be the very thing that puffs you up. It can be the very thing that exalts yourself. And then once you are guilty of that spiritual pride, you can 
can be pulled down, and it's detrimental to your spiritual life. So on this Wednesday afternoon, early Wednesday evening, how are those two things been detrimental to your spiritual life? Practical holiness, biblical knowledge, uh, and theological knowledge. How has it been detrimental to your spiritual life? Now, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the righteousness that's at fault. It's your handling of that righteousness and how you've seen it and looked at it and, and reacted to it. It's not that the Bible is at fault. It's not that theological knowledge is at fault. It's the way you've handled it. It's what you've done with it. So it's not that we should not pursue righteousness. It's not that we should abandon pursuing knowledge. We should pursue knowledge and we should pursue righteousness. But those pursuits and that those things, we have to have balanced out with, well, humility, with the attitude that we still see how far that we have. We, no matter how practical, how great our practical righteousness is, we have to see the depths of our depravity. No matter how much we know, we have to acknowledge how much we don't know. No matter how much we know, we have to realize that we still, that, that we still need to be filled with a love for God and a love for others and a love even for our enemies. These are things that are detrimental to your spiritual life. Now, why am I mentioning all of this? Well, if you know, in fact, I'm going to verify something. I think I may have given this. Let me verify something. No, no, I've given this the right title. This is uh, episode three in our discussion on spiritual pride. Remember how this all started. The U version Bible app, U version, Y-O-U version, U version Bible app, we got a notified by the YouVersion Bible app that, hey, we're, we're starting this brand new thing where ministries and churches can get, can place basically a page for their ministry on the YouVersion Bible app. And there's lots of different things you can do. You can announce, obviously, and let people know when you're going live. There's lots of different things you can do. And there's more features coming. They're, they're like, we're still in the beta, but we want you to be a part of it. And I'm like, okay, well, 500 million people use the YouVersion Bible app. Tell me how to sign up. So I signed up and started using it. One of the first thing they, they said is you have to, you have to choose kind of like a, a Bible reading plan, a devotional plan of some sort to put on your page. And I'm like, I just started looking, oh, spiritual pride. Boom, let me choose that one. So right now, if you find Theology Central on the YouVersion Bible app, which has been downloaded by over 500 million people. You choose us as your church or your ministry, and then you can follow us. Well, then uh, guess what? You're going to see that that's the current plan. The current featured plan is one on spiritual pride. So we started, I, 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 it sparked this whole conversation. And if you look at the plan, day one is a, uh, is a devotional, which we've already talked a little bit about, and Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14, which we have read. Day two is Revelation chapter three, verses two through three, which we talked a little bit about in part two. And today, well, they want us to go to a different passage, but I decided to go in a different direction, and here's the reason why. 
Now, if you read the devotional, remember, I don't agree with the theology in this devotional in any way, shape, or form. There's lots of things on version I disagree with, but we're just trying to make sure our presence can be on there and use the app to the best of our ability, right? To hopefully the people discover this program, discover the live broadcast, start listening to it, all of the sermons, and then we have a greater chance to minister to people, providing our theological perspective, which in many ways is completely and 1,000% diametrically opposed to some of the theology and doctrine you find on the version Bible. Bible app. I'm very much uh, completely against so much of it, but that's okay. We want to use the technology in any way we can. But I looked at the devotional for today. Now, they go in a direction which seems to indicate that God is still given revelation outside of the Bible, so I reject that. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit what I've learned. I've discovered that there is a fine line, a very fine line, between spiritual insight that we gain from the study of God's word. Now, they're going to go in a different direction, basically, that God reveals to us. And we've talked about that in our study in the Doctrine of the Holy Spirit, how I reject this idea. But I've discovered that there is a fine line between spiritual insight, right, um, that we may gain from our study, and spiritual pride that might come into a person because of this insight. There's a fine line between the spiritual insight, the spiritual knowledge that we gain from the study of God's word, and that knowledge becoming the source of spiritual pride. You can spend an hour studying and gain great insight, and then the next, the second hour, that begins to now work in you and develop a spiritual arrogance, a spiritual pride where you're condescending and you look down on everyone else and everyone else is stupid and you're the only one who is smart. There's a fine line. There's a fine line there. Now, what, I'm going to ask you a question this way. If, if we acknowledge that these two things are actual dangers to your spiritual life, your practical righteousness, right? Your practical righteousness, that those godly actions, those things you do and don't do, things you avoid, all that, and biblical and theological knowledge. If we acknowledge that those two things are very much a danger to your spiritual life, what is the cure? What is the protection to keep those two things from not becoming a source of spiritual pride? Here's here's how I would see it. Your practical righteousness must be balanced with a never-ending awareness of your true spiritual depravity. You must see the depraved nature still inside of you. You must see the reality that you are poor, wretched, miserable, and naked before a holy God, that no matter how great your practical righteousness is, it's nothing more than filthy rags. No matter how great your practical righteousness is, it's nothing more than fig leaves. You're still exposed before a holy God, and you still come up short. You must see, there, there's this concept in the minds of many evangelicals that, I, that, I, that I, I am going to work and I'm going to strive in my Christian life that one day I will stand before God and I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The only reason you'll ever hear, well done, good and faithful servant is not because of the practical righteousness and the godliness that you demonstrated in your life. It's going to be because you have been covered or you've been given, well, it has been imputed to you the, pra- the uh, 
actual righteousness of Jesus Christ. I got to state it the correct way. I don't want to end up in theological error and come up with an infused righteousness. No, an imputed righteousness has been accredited to your account. Righteousness has been accredited to your account. I will stand before God, good and faithful servant, because Jesus Christ is that good and faithful servant and his service, his righteousness and his holiness has been imputed to my account. Therefore, I can stand before God perfectly righteous and perfectly holy. But the real me, the real me, not good, not faithful, ungodly, and fall short. So any practical righteousness that I manifest, I must constantly see that that's nothing more than filthy rags. It's nothing more than fig leaves. The reality is I'm miserable, poor, blind, and naked before a holy God. That is the truth of me. No matter how righteous I may appear to be, I've got to see we can't allow practical righteousness to become the very thing that blinds us from the reality of our sinful nature. We must see our sinful nature. We must see it. The only only balance to practical holiness The only thing that will keep practical holiness from becoming a source of spiritual pride is that you are more aware of your depravity and your sinfulness than you are. You see your depravity and sinfulness before you see your practical righteousness and holiness. And if you don't see your sinfulness before you see your practical righteousness and holiness, then you're always going to walk around going, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see them? Did you hear them? I don't think they're saved and and there's no way they can. You wouldn't be walking around pointing your finger at everyone else because you'd have a hard time even looking anyone in the eye because all you could say is, woe is me. I am a sinner and I am undone and I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in a people of unclean. I am ungodly. Everyone around me is ungodly and I don't deserve anything but God's wrath. But if you can look up and look up and point your finger, then you're not aware of your own depravity. You, you minimize your depravity and you exalt your practical righteousness. Therefore, it becomes a source of spiritual pride. Therefore, it's detrimental to your spiritual life. The very thing that you would that you you talk so much about becomes actually detrimental to your spiritual life. And what's the What's the what's the cure or the, or the thing that will help us not allowing biblical knowledge and biblical and theological knowledge to become a source of pride and arrogance? I think depravity, the awareness of depravity, is the cure to a, to our keep or it's a protection to keeping uh, from keeping practical righteousness becoming a source of spiritual pride. And I think love. I think 1 Corinthians 8 points to love as being the thing to protect us from spiritual knowledge and theological knowledge becoming a source of pride. And what does that mean? A love for God and a love for others. If you truly love others, then no matter how much knowledge you get, you won't become arrogant, condescending, and prideful and look down upon them. You will take that knowledge and you will look for ways to help, ways to build up, ways to edify, ways to disciple, ways to encourage. Now, sometimes that knowledge will have to be used for rebuke and correction, not claiming that it will not, but it will be balanced by love. If your knowledge is not 
connected to a love for God. You can look, you can, you can gain knowledge just for knowledge sake. But if you are gaining knowledge because you love God, if the motivation for your growth and knowledge is the love for God and the love for others, that knowledge can be balanced. Or and the minute that knowledge is not balanced out by a love for God and a love for others, it becomes the very spirit, it becomes spiritual pride, which will be detrimental to your spiritual life. It will bring you down. And I say I say both of these. I say both of these, not as one who can speak as if I haven't fallen. I have fallen in both. I've allowed my own practical righteousness to become a source of spiritual pride. And the next thing you know, I found myself in the pigsty. I found myself eating over the leftover food given to pigs, nothing more than a sinner and a failure who humiliated myself, hurt the name of Christ, and hurt who knows how many people. And I've been the one who grew so much. I studied and studied and read and studied and studied and read and studied. And man, I grew in knowledge, man. And guess what? Time and time again, that knowledge became a source of spiritual pride where I became arrogant, condescending, thinking I was better than everyone else because I knew more than everyone else. And I wanted everyone to know that I knew more than everyone else. And I wanted everyone to tell me that I knew more than everyone else. I do not speak these things as if I've got them figured out. I speak these things because I'm warning you because I've been there. How are you doing today? Spiritually, how are you doing? Let me warn you. Practical righteousness and godliness and spiritual knowledge, biblical knowledge and theological knowledge. Those two things can become the very Source of spiritual pride, which will reach up and pull you down into the pit. There's more I could say, but I'm going to stop right there tonight in our part three look at spiritual pride. This was just supposed to be like, hey, you know, we, we got... We got this devotional we kind of need to work through. It's right there on the version app. I could have... But I... I, it's it's turning to a more lengthy study. So what we'll do in part four, we'll go to the work of Jonathan Edwards on spiritual pride. That should be very convicting. But in the meantime, if you have the version app, you can look for it really quick. It's about to go away. I'm gonna I'm gonna close it out because we're gonna switch over the plan to a plan on the Holy Spirit that I'm gonna strongly disagree with. But we're gonna use it to finish up our kind of our study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit to supplement a different view than I've been given. Uh, give I've been given on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's in our Bible study exercise series. But the point is, this is a series now, and if you have the Church One app, you can see the series. I created an artwork for it. It's not very good. Uh, I was trying to demonstrate something sinister, something like that something's going to reach out and grab you, something that's supposed to look spooky, but it it doesn't look really scary. It looks kind of cheesy. It looks like something from a B movie, but I I, I created the artwork for it. You can tell me what you think, but it's the idea that something's going to reach out and grab you. You better be on the lookout. Boom, it's going to grab you. You know, it's like you're walking through a graveyard and a hand comes up and grabs you and tries to pull you back down to death. Well, that's what spiritual pride is. 
So I've created the artwork. You can look at it. If you don't like it, please, please offer your criticism. I'm not great at creating the artwork for the podcast series, but I'm trying to make sure that all of the series does have its own special artwork just to try to make it look nice and professional. I don't have a, I don't have a team here, a multimedia team. It's just me, but I do the best I can to try to make it look as professional as, uh, as I can. And um, hopefully, hopefully you at least appreciate the attempt, even though the execution may not be good. But you know what? If it looked really good, then it would probably become a source of spiritual pride, right? See? See how that works? Okay. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to get some food, and then we'll be back at some point tonight to do a couple of more things. I think we'll try to do a couple of more things tonight. We'll see. We'll see. If not, there's a possibility that we could do a lot of, of stuff tomorrow. There's a possibility. I don't know how tomorrow. There's a lot of uh, a lot of things. The reason I didn't get as much uh, I didn't get as much done today as I wanted to. I had a doctor's uh, appointment today that took forever. The doctor was running behind. Nothing matters. Just a checkup. Um, but it took forever. It took forever. So that kind of messed up the whole day. But uh, hopefully these hopefully the last two the the uh, thirty days and thirty. 30 days and 30 scriptures. The last episode we did uh, just a little earlier. Hopefully that was beneficial and hopefully this was beneficial. You can let me know. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. God bless.